0: With your Amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com.
1: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit MFM.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company SI and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
0: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio,
2: a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast.
0: Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at first first listen. listen.
3: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Boom! What up? It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. One last time broadcasting from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Israel, where I'm uh, coaching the Maccabi Games team, Team USA. That's the uh, Jewish Olympics. We play Israel, upcoming... Tomorrow at, uh, what is it, 11.15. Uh, so in 13 hours and 15 minutes, uh, we will be playing. And I'll update you on Twitter. Anyway, I had a fantastic dinner in downtown Jerusalem, a place called Jacko's. I would highly recommend it. And it's kosher. But you know it's not kosher? It's not kosher to make statements that um, are, one, ridiculous, two, uh, years and years and years away from happening, and three, never going to actually happen. Richard Sherman had a one-on-one at the ESPYs uh, last night, and I thought this was really, really interesting because Richard Sherman is dealing with, uh, look, he's smart enough to know things, but either he's dumb enough to not know what he doesn't know or just to gloss over them in a certain kind of political fashion. In 2011, remember, there was a lock, the players were locked out. You go back to 2010, and there was actually no salary cap. We'll get to why that matters. Take a listen to what Richard Sherman said NFL players have to do if they want their contracts to be like those of Major League Baseball players and NBA players.
4: As an NFL and as a union want to get anything done, then players got to be willing to strike. You know, I think that's the thing that guys need to 100% realize is you're going to have to miss games, you're going to have to lose some money if you're willing to make the point because that's how MLB and NBA got it done. They missed games, they struck, they flexed every bit of power they had, and it was awesome.
1: It worked out for them. Um, Yeah, yes and no. It did and it didn't. Um, It did and it didn't. So... Um, Let's get down to the brass tacks, if you will. The lockout in the NBA has ended up making the NBA players more money, but they got slaughtered. Like Richard Sherman either hasn't paid attention or is simply glossing over the fact that I believe they went from 57% shared basketball revenue. They they had a 57% share to basically a 50-50 share, right? From 57 to 50, that's not losing, that's getting blown out. That's getting eviscerated. As much as we think of NBA players having so much money, the fact was they weren't willing to go completely to the mattresses, cancel the season and to, to stick at 57%. They, they couldn't do it. They could not do it. So, yes, they're making more money, but they're making more money because everybody's making more money right that's kind of the point there like they would have been making more money regardless as nfl players are making more money i mean the nba's collective bargaining agreement was signed a couple years ago it like the nfl had a 10-year collective bargaining agreement and it just happened to coincide just happened to coincide with um with the nba being a part of having their tv rights deal spike and because it spiked they got a they got a smaller percentage but a bigger number in terms of the shared basketball revenue but look, and NFL players aren't honest about anything. They're like, no contracts are guaranteed. That's not true. First-round draft pick contracts, most of them are fully guaranteed. And oh, yeah, by the way, the veteran contracts are guaranteed. They're just designed as signing bonuses, roster bonuses, workout bonuses. All those are you show up and you get paid. Those are guarantees, folks. And if you wanted a longer guaranteed contract, you're playing the wrong sport, one that has a longer shelf life, one that one hit, one injury, two, three concussions doesn't eliminate you from. So, um, yes, NFL average salaries are, in fact, lower. They are. But they're lower because there's 53 guys on a roster. The highest paid player in the National Football League last year was Drew Brees. He made $31.25 million. The highest paid player in the NBA last year was LeBron James. He made $31 million. The highest paid player in Major League Baseball last year was Clayton Kershaw. He made $32 million. Like, they're just lying to you. And Richard Sherman is trying to change something or propose the idea of we need to lock out, we need to strike, so that nobody's striking. They're not going to strike. Why? Because they need the paycheck. Because there are, there is no other skill set that most of these guys have that can make them a million, two million, three million dollars a year, and and NFL owners know that. And are they are they fairly leveraged on these teams and their lease deals? Sure, but it's not their only source of income. It's just not. Owners own, dude. I mean, it's when you're trying you're trying to change something or propose to change something, it's not going to happen. Here's the last thing and the important thing about what Richard Sherman said. Okay, there's an idea that that you need to, and NFL owners will give you a guaranteed contract. It's just not going to be as big a contract. Sure, I'll guarantee your money. I'm just not going to give you as much money. And there are guaranteed deals. What what do NFL players hate? They hate franchise tax. What's a franchise tag? Well, for example, for the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, of uh, the Washington Redskins, he's going to be guaranteed to make $24 million this year, regardless of whether or not he even plays a snap, once he has that franchise tender becomes real. That's a guaranteed contract. Now, he's not going to get a six, seven-year guaranteed contract, although Andrew Luck got a ton of money guaranteed. NFL players have guaranteed contracts. It's, they're lying to say Otherwise they're never going to get fully guaranteed contracts like you get in major league baseball because they're too close to injury and there's too many players. And the salary cap absolutely matters because most of the rank and file members of all of these unions are down at the bottom of the pay scale. And the last time that the NFL had no salary cap and it wasn't that long, it wasn't 10 years ago. It's like 8 years ago they had no salary cap. And everybody thought ever all these players are going to get rich. No salary cap. You know what teams did? They lowballed everybody. And they saved money because salary caps are good not because of the ceiling but because of the floor the floor being raised forces teams to spend money and if they're forced to spend money they have to spend it on rank and file and on guarantees signing bonuses etc with their players so richard Sherman proposing i'm going to change something that's like You know what we should change? The Electoral College. We need to change the Electoral College. Guess what has never been proposed and is not going to happen in our lifetime? They're not changing the Electoral College. NFL players are never going to have fully vested, fully guaranteed contracts for veterans because veterans break down. There's too many of them. The Electoral College is absolutely, positively not going to change. NBA players are not going to play fewer games. Like, oh, you know what you should do? We should play fewer games. If we had fewer games, we'd be better. Here's the problem. Not only has TV paid a certain amount for the rights to broadcast all those games, but there's also all of those arenas that are leased out for specific dates with a specific volume of dates. All of those vendors' livelihoods depend on those dates. You have all these NBA, you know what you should do is you just shorten the season. Sure. Major League Baseball should just shorten the season. Sure. You know what's not going to happen? Nobody's shortening seasons because nobody wants to give back any money. Players don't want to strike because they don't want to lose any paychecks. You know what we should do? We should strike, even if we miss a year. Okay, but if the average career career of an NFL player is three and a half, four years, and you lose one year because some guy wants a guaranteed contract, which is really not going to affect you, not going to help you, may end up hurting your bottom line, why would I strike? Sounds like a good idea. The reality of it is, not going to change, not going to happen. A really smart guy who said something that either he knew wasn't true and wasn't going to happen, or he's somebody who uh, doesn't know what he doesn't know. Yeah. Homie, Newport Beach, NFL players, Richard Sherman. Yeah, go ahead and do that. We'll catch up later. Yeah, we need a strike. Dude, we have a collective bargaining agreement for another... Uh, four years. Nobody's striking. By the way, you're the highest-paid player at your position. <laughs> like, what are you strong? What are you so mad about? Nothing. It's one of it. It's a great headline, and it's interesting. And guys in my position will take the bait and go like, "Yeah, NFL players deserve it because yet, the, like, there's 53 guys in the roster. They play 16 games. You do the math. Who's more valuable, that or a 15-man roster that plays 82 games in the NBA?" for a much longer career, one that isn't as easily shortened by injuries. I'm not telling you this is a a dumb discussion to have, but it's a dumb discussion to have.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Take a listen to some of what we heard yesterday from Connor and Floyd. 50 strippers on his payroll, this man has! is he doing with that strip club what the f-? 50 strip on his payroll shout out to all the strip on his payroll what the f- is he wearing he looks like a little break dancer or something a little 12 year old breakdancer. what the f-? he's 40 you're 40 years of age dress your f- age carrying a school bag on stage what are you doing with a school bag on stage you can't even read Dana White. me and you got money
4: we know who got the money we don't gotta wear suits the real man that got money don't gotta wear suits
1: um so uh they went chest to chest they acted like they hated each other and to me, it was everything I told you it would be. And I, I, I saw a bunch of headlines that, um, and I've seen other people on Fox, heard other people on Fox Sports Radio equate this to the fact that boxing is, feels more like WWE than it does the NFL. And really, this is not as much boxing, although boxing has always had some of these comical press conferences. This is the UFC. I like the actual action within the octagon. I do. This is a clown show. Like anybody with any sort of reasonable sense of what's real and what's fake is like, all right, that's the dumbest thing ever. Now, part of it is I give people way too much credit, right? Like the average the average uh, IQ is 100. That's just as close to 80 as it is 120. 120 is genius. 80, 80 is... Mentally uh, incapable, if you will, or less less capable. I'm sure I'm not allowed to say the R word, even though that's actually te- the technical term. The point is that uh, we think of everybody in the 110 and above variety, but there's just as many people that are in the 90 and below variety. So maybe people buy into this, but I think it reeks of desperation. It's one thing to have the hype of two days before the actual fight, you have a presser. It's another thing when you sign the contracts, maybe, to announce it and have some sort of hype machine. But to have four of these and to just make up things to dislike about each other when they're both going to make a ridiculous sum of money? I just, you know, they don't dislike each other. And maybe even if they did, that's not the, the root of this fight. You know, Floyd Mayweather is going to make an expected one hundred million dollars, maybe more. McGregor is going to make seventy five million dollars. There is no hatred in losing to the best pound for pound fighter in the world when you're going to make not six, but seven figures after being on welfare four years ago in your home of Ireland. I, I, I just I think it reeks of a little desperation which is kind of what I think of with the Cubs did. You guys see this deal that the Cubs did? Um, The Cubs pulled off what we're told is a blockbuster deal. They got lefty Jose Quintana from the Chicago White Sox, whose ERA is still, it's below three and a half. So Quintana's a good pitcher. Cubs need an additional arm. Cubs are two games above 500, And they dealt away their top-hitting prospect, Eloy Jimenez, who's only 20 years old and is considered the number 5 prospect in baseball and they dealt away dylan cease who's in high a baseball so he's still a couple years away from making the bigs um, as well as a couple other prospects the cubs dealing away their top two prospects in their vaunted farm system for a lefty who's about a 500 pitcher although remember he's played on bad teams in chicago so the era is not necessarily reflective of the fact that he's, you know, the wins and loss are not reflective of how well he pitched. ERA shows he's a really good pitcher. Kind of reeks of desperation as well. Right? They were talking about maybe sh- trading Kyle Schwerber. That's still out there. The Cubs dealt away t- a couple of top prospects for a lefty who's good. But is he great? And how we perform and how we handle... That clubhouse that seems to be dysfunctional. To be to uh, to be continued. More than anything, kind of like McGregor and uh, Mayweather, it feels forced, and it feels like you're doing it because you have a little bit of desperation. Like White and the organizers of the fight, are like, look, we can't let Mayweather McGregor become the last boxing and keep train going. Hey, let's go New York, let's go Vegas, then let's go pre-fight. But the more they do it, the more they shout, the more most people who uh, are over that 100 with their IQ are like, really?
3: Really? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
1: Alonzo Ball played his best game as a uh, as a pro in Summer League. Wearing Kobe Bryant shoes. Matter of fact, after the game, he actually, uh, he actually talked about having that Mamba mentality, put him on and it worked out tonight. You know, he said at, uh, at BBB, that's a big baller brand. You can play in what you want. I already played in both of my shoes. Might as well get the Mamba mentality going. I put him on and it worked out tonight. He had 36-11, and eight rebounds, five steals, two blocks in a 103-102 win over the Philadelphia 76ers Summer League team. Remember, he stunk in his first outing. Then he had a triple-double. Then he sat against uh, De'Aaron Fox and the Kings. And now he had 36-11, five-and-eight. It's a pretty good progression. For all purple with black swoosh uh, Kobe Bryants, which, by the way, I have those Kobe's. They're exceptionally comfortable. I approve. Like they're great shoes, but isn't it interesting that um, he like there's an irony to it. He finally plays well when he ditches the shoes that aren't his signature shoe that his dad wanted to charge people four hundred ninety five dollars for. It's like, look, if even your own son doesn't want to wear those shoes, why the hell should I wear them? Let alone wear them for five hundred bucks. I mean, at least he wore Kobe's. He didn't wear Lebron's. At least he wore Kobe's. He didn't wear Steph Curry's. He wore Kobe Bryant synonymous, not just with the Lakers, but also with Rob Palenka, who's his general manager and happens to have been the agent for Kobe Bryant. Like all of that made a ton of sense with the exception of the, what happened to the big baller brand? What happened to the big baller brand? I want to know how he got the shoes. That's that's to me. That's the smoking gun. I want to know: Did he go to Vegas, like to the Caesar shops, and buy the shoes? Did the Nike guys send it to him? Did Kobe send it to him? Hey, dude, I've been watching you play. Why don't you throw on these purple joints? That's fascinating to me. Truly, truly fascinating to me. Like the the thing for Lonzo is, um, while his play is helping the brand, playing without the shoes on is killing the brand right like there's an irony to that can you imagine if like his dad's like all right you know what the hell with it let's just what am i doing here this is a dog and pony show let's just wear the kobe's be a kobe guy take whatever money take a short-term deal and then build your brand and then maybe we can develop some big baller brand in the future wouldn't that be smarter I mean, just the fact that he said, Lonzo said, like, oh, Big Baller Brand's about doing your own thing. Like, no, that's not really the way it works. At Big Baller Brand, you can play in what you want. I already played in both my shoes. Might as well get the mama mentality. Like, that's not how it works. Like, can you imagine if, if, uh, let's see here, if Steph Curry's like, you know, at Under Armour, you can play in what you want. So I wore my Steph Curry shoes, and then I was like, you know what, I want to try those Kyrie Irvings, so I put them on, and I played really well. And they're like, no, that's not the way it works in this thing. You have to be synonymous with your shoe. And wearing Kobe's shoe, which is made by, I guess, a competitor, although it's not really a competition, one of the shoe companies that you turn down is not really going to, not really going to help sell your shoes. Not even a little bit.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
1: Jason Terry has rocked them all. He joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Jet, do you like the fit of Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony in that rocket system?
4: You know what? Right now, in the NBA, it's about stockpiling talent. And so... What the Houston Rockets are trying to do is trying to amass as much star power as they can, obviously, to uh, counteract what what Golden State has done. Does Carmelo Anthony and uh, Chris Paul fit? I mean, uh, Carmelo Anthony has been one of the most dangerous scorers in our league uh, since he's came in. And and you know what? And D'Antoni's system is wide open. Melo's a great catch-and-shoot guy, though he loves to play off the bounce in isolation situations. As you see, basketball, he can catch and shoot. So I think it fits. I I think you got to have a lot of talent these days. I mean, you look around the Western Conference, and if you don't have three or four studs, uh, you really don't even have a chance to compete.
1: Okay. Okay. Paul George, obviously an upgrade over Victor Oladipo, but I look at their roster, and I'm like, all right, even if Paul George can catch and shoot, He's more three who could play some four. He's a great hybrid player who can really get buckets. But their roster is still front-court heavy, right? They still have Adams. They still have Cantor. They they still have a lot of front-court dudes. Um, how much does it change Oklahoma City in the long run to add in Paul George to that front-court heavy roster?
4: I think it helps them tremendous, tremendously because what it does is Uh, The the way they're built and designed is to kind of beat uh, Golden State, because you can't beat Golden State at playing Golden State's game. What you have to do is be able to pound them inside, uh, get Durant or Green in foul trouble, and have a low-prose threat. So I believe those two bigs they have are, are very productive. Uh, now you add in Paul George, who is another aggressive wing who can score, uh, but he also can defend. But in the fourth quarter, when Westbrook has done it all for three quarters, now you have another viable option who is reliable, who can get you a basket or get you to the free throw line. And he's not scared, as you he went head to head with the best player in the world in LeBron James in, the, in their matchup, and uh, he held his own. He definitely outdoored him in some some cases.
1: Uh, that's the um, that's the voice of the Jet Jason Terry. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's go to Boston, where Boston went from a guard-heavy team to now a wing-heavy team. Uh, they didn't just add Gordon Hayward. They also added uh, Marcus Morris, and then Jason Tatum has kind of taken summer league by storm. Been very, very impressive. What are your thoughts on Boston? Whether or not they have an improved roster? Remember Avery Bradley. Everybody likes Avery. I know he's a uh, he's a Tacoma dude. Uh, so he's he's from up in your area originally. Um, there's a lot of you in him. He's maybe more of a defender. He's not the shooter that you ever – he's never been the shooter that you've been, but incredibly versatile. But they had to get rid of Avery in order to get Marcus Morris. Do you like what Boston's done?
4: Yeah, I love what Boston has done. Again, uh, you know, it's about star power, and who better to add than a guy like Gordon Hayward, who is an all-star, uh, who you know commands a lot of respect on the offensive end he's another guy that in the fourth quarter he's made game-winning shots he'll make the game-winning play it takes the ball out of isaiah thomas hands so he's not worn down um though you'll miss the defensive prowess of Avery bradley i think what you've added is another guy that can get you buckets look at the pace of play that boston celtics have started to play um you know under this new regime and it's high tempo 108 points a game last year. And uh, now you add Hayward, and I don't think that will slip at all. Uh, Marcus Smart has proven to you that he's a big game player, and he can also defend. So, Ball, which they will have to do. I thought what they needed to do, though, besides adding Hayward, was add some front-court depth, because uh, Al Hoyford is not a uh, defensive rim protector. Uh, he's more of a uh, you know spot-up shooter. Uh, he can post up, but and so defensively, they're lacking in that department. Losing Amir Johnson is going to be big for them. Uh, they're going to struggle when they have to get stops uh, in the fourth quarter when those shots aren't aren't quite falling. So uh, two defensive presences like Avery Bradley and Amir Johnson, they'll miss sorely. I think they lost Trevko. They lost Olenek. So there's some holes in the roster, but I'm in Vegas now. I'm going to the game at the clock. Jason Tatum is a stud. He will be one of those ones. You look back at this draft class and and you will say that this draft class may go down as one of the greatest classes uh, that that we've had in the NBA, especially since I've been in
1: the league. Yeah, listen, it's it's uh, really interesting to see Tatum, who I know several teams liked at one. And though people can question, you know, there have been people who questioned Danny Ainge, like, look, he got another first round draft pick for moving down two spots, and he got Gordon Hayward, who he really wanted, and he did he did in fact change some things. All right, so now we take a breath and we assume Melo goes to the Rockets. It's a big assumption. What about the Cavs? What can they do to get better? Well,
4: I think they 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 remain pat. I mean because what they've gained with with their uh core group of guys love Irving, LeBron, is they have chemistry. They've been to the mountaintop and now they're how they bounce back is key, but their role players are intact. Obviously, they'll fill out their back end of their roster. Uh, but anytime you got King James uh, on your team, you're you're going to be. In contention for a championship, so I think keeping their core nucleus intact was good. Sometimes the best moves made in the NBA are no moves made at all, and so they won't have an adjustment period. All they'll have to do is stay healthy, stay the course, and position themselves with home court advantage. And uh, you know, the East, hey, the East, the East isn't as tough. But they're still going to have some competitors. Washington is a good team. Milwaukee's a great team. Um, but other than that, I mean, who, who really is going to contend? Toronto stayed intact. So, um, you know, C- Cleveland, they need some front court depth. Obviously, uh, Tristan Thompson can't do it by himself. Uh, they, they need help there in that, that capacity. They're also going to need some help in the backcourt uh, to spell Kyrie at times. But, you know, other than that, hey, you've got the greatest player in the world. You're in good hands, in a good position.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. I I I I trust your word for it. Well, um, all right. What about the San Antonio? What, what about Who what do you An- think they should
4: add? I mean, because there's nobody. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well I, mean, look, I sh- well, I mean, look. I think
1: they should. Well, I mean, the whole question was, do you do you move Kevin Love? Right. Like, like I. For, I like Kevin Love, but like in that, yeah. if you're trying to beat the Warriors, he's not that useful against the Warriors because he can't score in the post. He couldn't score in the post against Andre Iguodala.
4: No, he, he's not a post threat, uh, but he had a productive series. I mean, he can kill you on the offensive glass, and if he can knock down his shot consistently, they were hell. Uh, Draymond Green leaves anybody he's guarding, and he's wide open. So he has to make those shots, um, and, and, and they got to figure it out. I don't know why they didn't utilize 10 5 more in that series. I know defensively he's a liability, but hell, nobody stops the Warriors. You got to outshoot them. At, at, so, anybody out there on the open market and trade scenario, like who are you trading for? Everybody's pretty much set. Uh, you trade Kevin Love, what will you get back for Kevin Love? Contract number is super high. Uh, talent level is super low. So, I, I just don't think it happens. I think they, they, they keep it intact. LeBron has a big decision to make here um, if they don't win it again this year. So, uh, I think this is their last hurrah. Uh, so to speak, but hey, they're they're still a contender. Don't 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 fall
1: off. They they're they're in it. Oh, there's no, there's no question, especially in the Eastern Conference. All right, Western Conference. Then you got the Spurs. Tony Parker tore the his quad tendon that connects to his knee. Right, that that doesn't sound like at his age something you come back from uh, very easily. But they still have Kawhi. LaMarcus has kind of been a weird fit there, right? Where they they haven't loved him. He hasn't loved them. He's kind of, you know, he's, he's again, he's he's a post, but sometimes he's shooting 17, 18-footers. What's your sense of the Spurs now they didn't get Chris Paul and how legitimate a threat they are?
4: Hey, does a Kevin Love for LaMarcus Aldridge trade make sense? I don't know. But, I mean, again, Aldridge doesn't like the post. He likes to shoot jumpers also. So um, I love the Spurs. you got to think Pop is going to do something uh, you know, to get this this team back in but you can the talent you can add. I think Pop's thing is system structure and continue to mold their young point guard in Dejounte Murray. Who, when Parker is done, which he probably won't be ready here to start the season, it's going to be his show. Uh, he played; a, he had a great summer league. He was—he didn't look to score as much, he was more of a facilitator, and I think he, he fits right into the uh, pop system. So uh, that's the area of concern. Uh, I don't know if Paul Gasol goes back to San Antonio. There's another hole in the roster to field. Deadman is gone. Um, you know, they're trying to work this thing out with Jonathan Simmons, but they look like they're in somewhat of a rebuild mode. Uh, in San Antonio.
1: Great stuff. The Jet, Jason Terry, joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Jet, let's catch up in person real soon. In, in the meantime, enjoy Vegas. and we'll, we'll, uh, We appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Sounds good.
4: Talk to you
1: soon. All right, that's uh, Jason Terry joining us, NBA champion.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Tony Romo didn't say that much. And, um, and you know, he'll probably catch some heat for whatever he said from Colin Kaepernick's camp. The good thing is, like, Colin Kaepernick's not in the NFL, so there's not really a camp that matters. So he was asked about Kaepernick. Romo said, I think the NFL has two real approaches. Most organizations that i found, they try and go by. One, they, they want to collect as much talent as possible. Two, they want to make it about the team, the team, the team. Like, that's a big football mantra. It comes from Bo Beckler's famous the team, the team, the team speech. And so with Colin Kaepernick, this is Tony Romo speaking, not me, I firmly believe that if they viewed him as a starting quarterback on day one, he would be on a team right now. I believe he would. That's, by the way, something that I've said. This whole idea that Colin Kaepernick is absolutely a starting quarterback, like, if he was that good, somebody would have taken him. Somebody would pick him up because it's not, you're not paying starting quarterback money. Romo goes on. But I think that I believe he's good enough, no question, to be a backup in the National Football League. But when you're the backup, part of that is playing the role on that team. So I think organizations sometimes view that as being part of the team. So when you step out and do something that can be talked about, almost, uh, almost talked about a lot, and it's not about football, sometimes that can go either way. Believe me, if he'd he'd be on a team if they thought it would allow them to win a championship. In other words, like, look, you can be outspoken about Ray's similarly. You better be really, really good. But if you're a backup, you can't take away from the attention of the football team or attention from the starter. That's not your role. Now, Romo didn't really take a firm, hard stance other than saying, hey, what I've always said, which is the league will tell you. Now, do leagues make mistakes? Yeah. But when 32 teams all go, eh, no thanks. What more do you need to know? Well, Colin Kaepernick is a starting quarterback. You're worth what someone is willing to pay you, not what you think your resume says. Well, you know, I just graduated from Wharton. That's the University of Pennsylvania School of Business. I'm worth $120,000. And all you get is offers for sixty five, seventy thousand dollars 70000 You know how much you're worth? Sixty five, seventy thousand dollars 70000 Why? You're worth what somebody's willing to pay you. So I'm, I'll be interested to hear what Tony it when Tony Romo, if he he's going to have to engage about topics and players that he's played with, that he's played against, some that he likes, some that he doesn't like. And if he treats everybody fairly, I don't think he'll have any sort of issue at all. But I do know that he works for a place that the last thing they want is any sort of controversy. You know, just come in, call your game, do your thing, you know, make sure nobody's feathers are ruffled and you'll be fine. That's kind of their thing. And he'll give them kind of a new age look at the NFL. He will give them kind of a, he'll give them hipper lingo and be, and be more relevant than Phil Simms. Even though Phil Simms won a Super Bowl and won an MVP and had been with them for 19 years. But he didn't really say anything other than what I've said, which is, look, if Colin Kaepernick was that good, he'd be on a team already. But the role of a backup is not the role of a starter. One, Kaepernick doesn't want to be a backup. Two, because he doesn't want to be a backup, that, that rubs people the wrong way. And then most importantly, when you're a backup, you're like seen, not heard. Right? Think of the backups in the National Football League. Have you seen them? Do you know who they are? Like, who is a backup for, oh, I don't know. Like, let's look at the backups. Who's the backup for Aaron Rodgers, for example, right? Like, Rodgers is a guy that runs around. He's an athletic quarterback. And you could say, like, well, hey, you know, what if if we, Colin Kaepernick as the backup quarterback? But they got Brett Hundley, who they drafted in the fifth round a couple years ago. Uh, he's 6'3", 226, also an athletic quarterback, and he's been in the system for a couple of years. He doesn't have to learn it. Is he better than Colin Kaepernick? He's not as proven. He probably isn't as good at his peak, but we already have a guy, right? The Washington Redskins. Well, they got Kirk Cousins. They got a quarterback guru as their head coach. Who's their backup quarterback? Uh, well, it's Colt McCoy, who's a former starter Uh, Kind of elusive out of the pocket. The Redskins actually really, really like him. Former third-round pick. Like, all of these guys, like, you can't tell me, like, you couldn't pick Colt McCoy out of a lineup anymore. That's what backups do. They're stable. They're nondescript. They try to always be ready. They're usually pretty well liked by teammates. And that's not who Kaepernick is. So I don't think Romo's taking a hard stance, but I do think he's speaking a lot of truth there.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
1: Brady Quinn, one of our lead analysts for college football on Fox Sports, also calls NFL games as well. He joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. You've been a starter. You've been a backup. How different is that role in the NFL in terms of leadership and, and what how you're supposed to present yourself, how much you're supposed to be in the spotlight?
5: Night and day. Uh, when you are the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise, uh, especially when you draft drafted or signed to uh, a big deal or a blockbuster deal, you are the face of that franchise. And, you know, everything you say is going to be scrutinized. Everything you do uh, is going to be critiqued. And, and that's what kind of comes along with that big payday and, and everything that comes along with being the starting quarterback in the NFL. When you're the backup, entirely different story. You're just an insurance policy. You're just the guy who's supposed to get you through a game until the starter can come back in or a guy who can who can largely get you through maybe a couple weeks before the starter can come back. Um, you know, now there's different situations. Sometimes you've got an older guy who's kind of a placeholder until a younger guy is ready to go. Uh, but for the most part, the starting quarterback in the NFL is the face of your franchise.
1: Yeah, so, so the idea is this. Tony Romo's like, look, if you're a backup... Um, there's more to it you can't you just can't be outspoken. That's just not really who you can be. Um, and his assessment was like if Colin Kaepernick was a, if everybody thought he could help him win a championship, he'd be on a team. So the assessment the league makes is he's really more backup quasi starter, and with that, he's not willing to accept a secondary role in terms of being a sport, spokesperson is that Is that a fair assessment from somebody who's been in and out of that league?
5: uh somewhat. I mean, look, I think there's many layers to the Colin Kaepernick conversation. Can we agree upon this? Is Colin Kaepernick better than any of the quarterbacks who are currently on the New York Jets roster? I think you could make the case Colin Kaepernick would be the best quarterback if he was on the Jets roster right now. There's maybe other couple teams you could make that statement, and it would be true. The problem is this. From a playing standpoint, you have to have an that then suits his skill set, a coaching staff that's willing to uh, ad- adapt to his strengths, and that's one in which involves quarterback runs, which there may become injuries with that. It's one in which involves more move-to-pocket passes. And, and even in saying that, he, he, that's kind of diminished a little bit over the past few years. Um, right. Now, granted, he's had some coaching changes and things, but his ability has diminished a little bit. Everyone's going to throw out that touchdown-interception ratio last year, 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. That's great. The advanced analytics actually show that he's not making the first guy miss when he runs the football. When he gets outside the pocket, he's not as accurate as he used to be, and teams essentially figured him out. So he is what he is. And the problem is teams don't want to put him in a position to be their starting quarterback because they don't necessarily believe that he can take them ultimately back to a Super Bowl, like he did the 49ers, and they, they can be successful. Now, are there teams that don't sign him because of you know, how he you know, took a knee during the national anthem last season? Yes, there's probably some teams that have taken a stance against that. Uh, but I think it's a combination of things. I don't necessarily think it's just one particular thing.
1: Um, look, you, you cover not only the NFL game, but the college game, especially for, for Fox Sports this year, was just announced one of our lead teams here covering college football. So we had Sam Darnold on earlier this week. If anybody wants to listen to the interview, check out the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. You get it at FoxSportsRadio.com, iTunes, wherever you download podcasts. And if you rate us, that like helps us climb up the charts, whatever. Darnold was great. We've had him on several times. So you've been Sam Darnold. You've been... Josh Rosen, like you've been the guy that like, all right, that guy's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy or compete for it. And then that guy's going to be a first round draft pick. What's that like to be like we're in July. There's all these expectations for September, October, November, December, and early January. What's that? What's that like for these young players that uh, could come back to school, but everybody's assuming they're gone. Tell me what that is actually like.
5: Well, I think the funny thing is always that, you know, you know what's in your heart. And, every, you know, Sam Darnold's kind of mentioned to it. I talked to Clay Helton, their head coach at Southern Cal. He alluded to it that it's not a given that Sam Darnold won't come back for another year and, and maybe possibly he's playing football at USC in 2018. So, you know, don't bet on him. You know, Sam Darnold said don't tank for him because of that. And, and that's kind of how I felt um, after my junior season was, you know, I, I wasn't planning on leaving. I, I had goals that I set out for myself when I first got to Notre Dame. to start off with getting a degree, but even more than that, trying to win a national championship, trying to do all the things that you kind of set out back when you were in high school. And those were important to me. They might not be important to other people. People might tell you you're stupid for for going another year and putting on that risk of getting injured and ending your career and all of that. But the fact of the matter is we all make our choices. And that was something that mattered to me was getting my degree and finishing my education now because I know how much harder it is to go back and finish it once you do become a pro and once you do move on to that next step.
1: But what about the actual process of preparing for a season with all those expectations in front of you?
5: I mean, people always have to understand the mindset of a college football player, really any football player. You kind of live your life week by week. And as much as everyone talks about what may come after that, you know, you're know, you so focused on you know every day just trying to get something a little bit better. The next week trying to prepare for that opponent or whatever it is. And that's just how you're geared. That's really the only life that you kind of know. Once the season's over, with he's going to have a lot to contemplate, and you're going to have to listen to a lot of different people tell you all sorts of things where you're for, you know, what teams likes you is probably going to take you and all that. Uh, but between now and then, honestly, I mean, you're not thinking about all that stuff. And if you're smart, you get an insurance policy. I mean, I, I too, throughout the course of my college career, um, so it, it did give you a little bit of peace of mind that if something happened, at least you'd be – able to cash in on something uh, from an injury standpoint. But for the most part, honestly, you're just trying to live in the moment. I mean, we only go through college once. And and if you don't take the opportunity to enjoy it while you're in it and you're always worried about that next step, that next thing, you're going to miss out on really you know, arguably the best time of your life, I think, for most people.
1: Yeah, dude, it's like being present and mindful, right? That's what they tell you in yoga. You got to be present and mindful. It's the same thing when you're a a, uh, a college football quarterback. Brady Quinn joining you know, uh, us in the Doug uh, Gottlieb. Until you
5: do that, like, 100-degree hot yoga, and then the only thing you can dude. think about is that moment you get out of the hot yoga so you can get a, a drink of water cool down a little bit.
1: I gotta tell you, I'm a big fan of the hot yoga. We actually we got hot yoga in our building in Foxport. You come do it with you come do hot yoga with us. Uh we'll get you sweating, dude. Yes, getting you but you gotta you gotta you gotta maintain, like, I'm not gonna walk out that door, I'm not gonna walk out that door, I'm not gonna walk out that door. Uh, but as bad as you want to walk out that door. Brady Quinn, we're talking yoga and college quarterbacks as well as NFL here on Fox Sports Radio. All right. Donald joined me and he said, of the I was like, all right, what's the one thing you want to work on? He's like, well, you know, I gotta. I got to be better in the pocket. I got to be better through the not just read one, two, and then run, get to three, and maybe even four. Uh, You you see that position way better than any of us do. Like, how far away is he from being refined enough to take that next step?
5: I don't think he's far at all. Uh, I I love watching him, and I hate admitting that you know because he is a Southern Cal guy. But now this is. uh... My life, you know, I, I cover the Pac-12, so uh, I, I've, I've got to admit, I actually I, I loved watching him and calling their games last year. I just think he plays. You know, you don't feel like anyone's like trying to critique him or has trying to coach him, and he's trying to do something with throwing motion. He just articulates his arm however he needs to to make the throw, and he can make all the throws, uh, even in the pocket. He's got a good feel for it. You know, when to scramble, when to step up, when to move. And when to just sit there. Sometimes when there's there's no rush, guys get antsy. He seems to do a pretty good job of just sitting there. And you know he's gonna be probably hard on himself talking about getting a number three, number four. I, I, I could you know tell you a number of times watching film. I remember seeing him go through one, two, three, and getting to four sometimes, or deciding that he needed to run because the pocket was collapsing. So I think he's got a lot of maturity, a lot of good feel for the game. Uh, if there's one thing, I think his motion gets a little bit long at times. Um, you know, people are going to hate this, uh, comparison and they're not going to like how it sounds. And this is only because it was the first person that popped my mind was Ryan Fitzpatrick's motion. Sometimes gets a little bit long. He kind of reminded me to have a little bit at times, a windup of, of, Fitzpatrick, but look, he's a bigger guy. He's got a strong arm, completely different player. Uh, but for whatever reason, that was just kind of the first guy that kind of came to mind where I thought his throwing motion looked a little bit similar.
1: What about Rosen? Rosen, everybody said two years ago that's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He suffered some injuries last year. Uh, he's had a depleted offensive line, which ha- they haven't they haven't been nearly as good. Uh, even last year, when they were healthy early in the year, he had a couple big turnovers against Texas A and M. The, the first time we got a chance to see him, where is he in comparison to Sam Darnold as a quarterback?
5: I think right now he's got a lot more to prove, and, I, and he's played you can say almost uh, almost as much football uh, given his freshman sophomore year. Um, but, you know, look, he, he's got to take a big jump up. And I think he's got to do something, too, about his image. Whether he cares or not, uh, he's got, uh, at least the per- perception from scouts, people I talk to when they talk about this upcoming quarterback class, is, you know, he's kind of the smartest guy in the room. And, and sometimes that can actually upset an OC or a quarterback coach sometimes. And he's kind of, you know, too smart, for, too smart for his own good with the way he handles things and discussions. So I think he's got to prove himself on the field big time. Um, you know, one with just the ability to play the game, not be so analytical. Naturally, he's he's probably got the most talent of anyone in the country. Uh, unfortunately, I think you look at, um, you know, how his career's gone so far, it's been pretty inconsistent. It's been uh, different on the road as opposed to at home, too, when you look at him statistically and how he's played, performed much better at home, um, which, which is usually the case, but not as glaring maybe as it, as it has been for Josh Rosen. Uh, but I think he's the one that really has to take up a big step with this quarterback group coming in the next season, if he and you know plans to go to the draft uh, in 2018, because I think right now it's Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, quarterback at uh, Wyoming, and then Wyoming, Rosen's yeah. kind of that third guy right now. And there's some other guys who are going you know might surprise you and leap up into that spot. Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State could be one. There's a number of guys. I think this is going to be a very deep quarterback
1: class. I want to ask you really quickly about Mason Rudolph uh, because I've watched him. Uh, in person, on TV, more than anybody outside of maybe Darnold. Um, He's massive. You know, he's 6'5"-ish, has a huge arm, but he struggles with some accuracy issues. There there were times when people thought because you were so strong, like, dude, you were a freak show body-wise, that people thought, well, maybe that's, some of some of the accuracy issues that you had maybe in the in the NFL. How hard is it for a guy to improve his act because he has a huge arm, but there's some underneath throws that he just misses on sometimes. How hard is that to to tinker with and and change and evolve as you get ready for your upcoming season?
5: I think so much of accuracy has to do with first off, you know, knowing where you're going with the football and knowing the offense that you're running. You know, Mason Rudolph really had his first year last year starting. Um, before that he was kind of split in time. And I, I think it's just familiarity with the offense, being able to anticipate things and throw balls confidently. I think that's half the battle. and that's kind of what I witnessed a little bit, watching him um, really start and play for the majority of the time um, last year for for really truly the first time. So um, that to me was something that I, I know when I had, I had a new offense, which I had a bazillion of in an eight year career, I think I had eight new offenses. So you know, because of that, I think you're always kind of, almost second guessing or sometimes you get surprised by things. So you're reacting instead of anticipating and you're trying to play catch up. And that's where a lot of your inaccuracies can come from the size thing and all that you can throw it out the window. You know, I'll go back to the yoga analogy. You know, I'm about as flexible and limber as anyone. So uh, there was, that was never an issue with people being too tight or too muscle bound and all that. It more had to do with, you know, being able to mentally know where you're going to football being good with your eyes, and then your feet and your body follow your eyes. And a lot of times I think that's what quarterbacks struggle with when they're not in a system for a very long time and then they're still trying to get a feel for the offense.
1: You can hear him this year with Joe Davis and uh, Bruce Feldman, part of an incredible team. Uh, covering college football, specifically the Pac-12 this year. The Big Ten comes to Fox Sports this year. Uh, should be a great year. And, of course, you got the Big 12 as well. Brady Quinn, Fox Sports football analyst, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Brady, awesome breakdown. Really appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Always a pleasure, Doug. Thanks for having me on.
1: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are
2: the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying...
0: A, a podcast... podcast.